Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. All right. I want to preach today. I want to ask the question, what are you tuned to? What are you tuned to? How many, everybody I think looking around, you've tuned an analog radio. You've turned the dial and had to find the exact spot. That can prove to be a difficult thing. I remember at one point, we had a, a window unit air conditioner and I had a, one of the big black square boom boxes and I was trying to dial it in. You haven't done that, Tucker? We're going to find you one because you're missing out on something <coughs> in life. Yeah. If you can master that, your motor skills increase by like 30% right away. I was, I was bent down and I was intently focused on trying to find the right spot for the dial and my brother walks up and you'd have to know my brother, this is just how he is. And he, he just kind of walks up and he puts his fist on my cheek and he said, let me punch you right here, just as hard as I can. And I was focused, you know, because you got to be focused. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay, Josh, whatever. And he hit me so hard, right in the face and bounced my head off the air conditioner. I was trying to tune in and that did not help and things did not end well. Losing tune, you, you, you finally get it where you need it to be. Even digitally, you find the station you're looking for. And you're on a trip, and you're listening to the music, and you're enjoying the music, and then it, it starts to get a little crackly, and you just put up with it for a little while because you, you don't want to lose the station, but ultimately, you lose the tune. You're no longer in tune. You lose it. It's not there anymore. Everybody here, all the adults have multiple children, so I'm in good company. I kind of like to people watch. So anytime I'm in a crowd, I, I try to just find some time and just observe. And one of the funnest things to observe is people with multiple children interacting and fellowshipping with people who have no children. The people who have one kid, they're, they're still learning the whole parenting thing, so they're not adept in their skills yet but it's the funniest thing because the kids could be terrorizing the space 10 feet away and the parents are just they're just engaged in conversation they're talking everything's just fine and and you watch the person who doesn't have kids and they're not hearing anything the other adult is saying like they're listening and they're looking let's uh-huh yep and they can't help but, but be distracted by everything that's going on. But as parents of multiple children, we have the ability to tune things out. Now, thank you, Jesus. yes, thank you, Jesus. But, but parents are, are incredible because while we can tune out all the nonsense, there are still certain sounds that capture our attention. Every parent in here knows the difference between a meaningless cry that's happening in the other room and oh no somebody's hurt it's a different cry and so every time the cry happens or any cry happens the people with no kids are all worried 
And the parents don't even miss a beat. They just keep on talking. They keep on sipping coffee. And it just freaks people without kids out. And then when that certain cry comes in, we can hear our kids arguing in the other room. And it, 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 audibly, we hear it, but it's like it's not even happening. But we all know the trigger words and the certain tone of voice. When we start to hear that, we realize, I have to intervene or that's not going to be an argument for very much longer. It's the ability to tune in and tune out. We were working on the house the other day, me and Ray, and we're, we're working on the siding and it's cold and neither one of us want to be out there. And I stopped working. I said, what was that? Did you hear that? And he's like, what? what? What are you talking about? And I, said, I looked up and I said, right there. And there was four or five ducks that had flown over. And I knew they flew over because I heard this little... And you just... He heard it too, audibly, but he did not recognize it. He wasn't tuned into that. But because that's something that I have become tuned to, I recognized the sound and I started to look for it. Our inability to hear is often not due to the absence of sound but rather our inability to tune in with the sound. Jesus says it like this in Scripture, Matthew 11 and 15, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13 and 9, He says again, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And again, Matthew 13 and 43, says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I have looked at these passages and they've spoken to me in different ways in different times, but it's unique that Jesus continues to say this same phrase throughout His ministry. Either they had a problem back then that we no longer have, in which people just did not have ears, or Jesus was trying to communicate something different with this passage. I think it's pretty safe to say that the majority of the people He was talking to had two perfectly formed ears on their head, one on either side. And yet Jesus would look at a crowd full of people who had ears and say, He would tell a story, He would tell a parable, and He would say, let everyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, he sounded pretty smart until then. But he's, he's, communicating, he's communicating a principle that there were those there that did not have the ability to hear what it is he was saying. Can you imagine being in that crowd? Being able to hear Jesus in person. Listening to God in the flesh communicate a message about the kingdom of God. He was a phenomenal communicator. Yet on several occasions, Jesus, God in the flesh, says, I am, I am saying something, and I, there are certain people here that I am just not able to get through to. He had all the abilities. He had the talents. He knew all the words to say, but it didn't matter. There were individuals that were not able to hear as he stood in their midst and expounded on spiritual truths, there were those that, that were tuned in to hear his message and there were those that were not. Many people would walk away from the teachings of Jesus very curious. 
because they had come to hear a spiritual teacher and yet they walked away with tips on farming. That's all they heard. They heard about rocks and thorns and thistles and birds in the air and there was nothing spiritual that they gleaned because they weren't tuned in. Others would hear the message of Jesus and they would leave confused because they were partially tuned in, but the static of past belief and preconceived ideas of what the Messiah was going to be like made it hard for them to clearly hear the message of Jesus. And so they would, they would walk away with an idea of the spiritual principle that was being communicated, but find it very hard to see the Messiah in this one standing before them named Jesus. And they struggled with this. And still there are others who would leave changed because they had ears to hear. They were tuned in and understood the teachings of Jesus. Some couple thousands of years later, humanity is still struggling to tune in to the voice of God. We have the same struggles. We have the same hang-ups, the same past issues, the same misconceptions. We struggle with the same things. And though Jesus is not standing in the flesh, He is attempting to speak to us on a regular basis. The question is, what are we tuned into? I'll rephrase the statement that I made a moment ago and say it like this. Many times our inability to hear God is not due to a lack of Jesus' voice, but rather our inability to tune into His voice. Jesus is still speaking. Some would say that God doesn't speak to people like He did in the past. But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus is still speaking on a regular basis. How often do we hear Him? Not that I'm expecting answers, but would you have a clear answer if I were to ask the question, what has God said to you this week? What has God said to you this week? What message was delivered to our church from heaven just last Sunday? What is it that, that was preached across this pulpit? I hope you can remember, but many times we go from week to week and we have to stop and think. We struggle to even recall what was, what was preached. What God delivered. How has God spoken to you from His Word? How has He spoken directly into your life from His Word lately? And, and I think it's pretty universal. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but many times, unless there's something dramatic that happens, we do not have an adequate answer for these questions. Well, I can tell you something inspiring that I read in the Word. No, I said, when's the last time God spoke directly into your life through His Word? When's the last time you heard God speak to you in your spirit in prayer? And, and we struggle. Is it that God just doesn't care and isn't talking? Or is there a chance that just maybe we're out of tune? At times in our life, we're, we're just not quite tuned in. The question that would have to be asked is, how, how do I tune in? Because there's no dial. I can't, I can't just turn it, get it just right like a hearing aid. So how is it that I tune in? First of all, there are some things, if I want to clearly develop an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, that I have to be willing to tune out from. Anything that conflicts His voice and His Word 
means that I have to disconnect from or tune out from those things. I'm going to give you a few examples. This is not a, an exhaustive list, nor is it in any order of importance, but that means that there are certain people in your life that you have to learn to tune out. You have to tune them out. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. I'm going to do my best to give you Scripture for all my points today so you don't think I'm just making it up. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Be not deceived. So that implies that there is a possibility for people to be deceived about the issue that's about to be addressed. The writer says, listen, don't, don't be fooled. Don't let yourself fall into the trap of being fooled by this. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I'm going to read that in several other versions because the word communication and what they're calling good manners, they're not terms that we would use anymore. The Amplified says, again, do not be deceived. Bad companies corrupts good morals. Good morals. So the Scripture's telling me that I can be a moral individual. I can have morality present in my life. Yet if I surround myself with evil communication, communication is lifestyle, fellowship. I connect myself to those that, that do not share my morals, that my morals can be corrupted by their behavior. It's Bible. American Standard Version says, Do not be deceived. It makes it a little more clear. Evil companionship corrupts good morals. So those that I, again, partner myself to, my companion, my co-panion, I'm, I'm connected to this individual, and they are against the will of God, that's going to have a negative effect on my ability to tune in to what God's saying. And lastly, I'll read the NIV. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I appreciate their use of the word character there because so many people think that their character is stronger than the negative influences they surround themselves with. And we buy into things, which there's a lot of truth in these statements, but character is who you are when no one's watching. Character is who you are at your core. That's fine and that's good, and in many cases that's true, but who you are at your core can be altered, can be corrupted and changed. And the Scripture tells us that one way that will happen is if I connect to and surround myself with those that are in opposition to God's will. Anyone who speaks into your life in a way that slows or attempts to stop your growth in God should be removed from a list of people that you allow to influence you. Anyone who slows or stops your growth in God, you need to strip that person of their influence in your life. I'm choosing my words carefully and I'll further explain in a minute. Anyone whose lifestyle is contradictory to God's ways should not have a voice that speaks into your life. Okay, why am I, I saying those things? Because there are certain relationships that you can't just eradicate. If I'm talking about a coworker, you can just not talk to that person again unless it's directly job-related and you can keep it professional, you can move on. But what if it's a sibling? What if it's a, a family member? 
There are certain individuals, Tucker, I would never teach you to be disrespectful. But what if it's a teacher that begins to teach you that there are certain things that are right and they're not wrong and it it conflicts the Word of God? There are certain relationships that you cannot just abolish from your life. That would not be a good enough reason to say, I am never going back to school. Sorry. I'm never going to to family Thanksgiving dinner again. There are just certain relationships that exist. However, you and only you decide who has influence in your life. No one can exert influence on you unless you allow that to happen. How do you allow that to happen? You allow that to happen by putting yourself into situations where they are in control of the environment. The quality and the quantity of time that you spend in that relationship will determine the amount of influence that it has on your life. So if there are people that are dead set against your growth in God and they are living a lifestyle that conflicts the lifestyle that you're trying to line up with, if you're going to tune in and hear God's voice, you have to sever the influence that those relationships have on your life. You have to sever the mediums of the world. Sorry to ask, but Jonathan, would you please get me a glass of water? I forgot to get some before service. Do you have bottles in your office? I do not. Just a regular cup will be fine. Messages or mediums of this world have to be severed. I cannot hear those things and the message of God. Romans 1 and 32 is a very, very telling scripture. If you read the verses preceding, it lists out all kind of bad things that, that's going on. There's murderers and adulterers and people who are homosexual and all these things that are, are bad, 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 bad. Verse 32 says, Who knowing, so people who know the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It mentions a group of people who not only do these horrible things, thank you so much. They not only do these things, but also a group of people who take pleasure in people who do those sort of things. On the surface, most people would deny taking pleasure in someone killing another person or committing adultery or robbing a bank. If we were to do a survey and say, how many people would like to witness a murder today? No one would, no one would want to do that. How many people want to see a bank robbery? Nah, no. You know what? How many people want to know that your neighbor's caught up in adultery? No, I, you know, I'd rather not. We, we don't take any pleasure in that. But before we check the box and say that we have not tuned in to taking the pleasure of the sins of the world, answer these questions. How often are you entertained by Hollywood's promotion of evil? How often are we entertained by the music industry's promotion of evil? No, I don't take any pleasure in murder. But man, my favorite show is all about murder. And I watch this, and, and this movie, I love this movie, and they, they swear like sailors, and there's fornication happening, but man, it's so funny. <laughs> and I take pleasure in the promotion of sin. Why can't I hear the voice of God? I'm reading my Bible. 
because they're, they're static. They're static going, I just can't get past, I can't get past, you know, thinking about what I watched, thinking about what I heard. When I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to the radio and I got that dial tuned in, where, what's it tuned into? Say, well, it's just music. People get mixed up and they say Satan, Satan created music. Satan didn't create music. Okay, God created music. It's for God. But Satan was created as a musical being. And he knows and understands how to use music to create within people desire and emotion. And he has perverted something that God created to use it to mess with the heads of people and to lead them into entertainment or being entertained by sin. You'll never clearly hear the message of God or the message that God is trying to speak into your life while indulging in the dishonest, sex-filled, violent presentations of this world. That's as straightforward as I can say it. Our society has so elevated sin as something that is great and fun and to be enjoyed. It's just not going to happen. Ears that are tuned in to the frequency of the kingdom cannot be filled with the sounds of the honky-tonk or the rap or whatever you want to listen to. Like I get it. Carrie Underwood sings Jesus Take the Wheel. But it's on the same album as the song where she's demolishing her ex-boyfriend's car for cheating on her. and It's not the equivalent. She's not a godly woman that's leading me into righteousness. If she would allow Jesus to take the wheel, I'd pat her on the back, and man, that'd be great. I'd love to see her get her life right. But I'm not going to say, well, bless God, she sang a song, she said the name of Jesus. Now she's a role model for all to, to look to. I'm going to be entertained by everything she said. I'm going to give money to buy the song to support her, her business so that she can continue singing all the other garbage and filth that she sings. And I'm not just picking on Carrie. There's, there's others. We could go down the list and a variety of different musics and a variety of different people. The simple point is that there's something wrong with the idea that I, I walk through life thinking that I can fill my mind and tune in to all these frequencies of un, ungodly influence and yet at the snap of my fingers suddenly tune in and hear from God. But people, Christian people, live their life frustrated with not being able to, to really tap into God's presence like they want to, not really being able to, to hear His voice I don't get out of prayer what I hear other people talking about getting out of prayer. And I, I read my Bible and it's dry and it's dull and I just, it's just not speaking to me. Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just tuned into the wrong stuff. If I want to hear God's voice, there are some things I've got to tune out from. James 3, 9-11 says it like this, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Listen to verse number 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Doth the fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter. You ever, you're in that spot where you're driving down the road and you're starting to lose your station. And it's like three words that you want to hear. And then there's a few that you don't. And, there, and there's two stations 
You're, you're caught right in between. And you're not really enjoying either one of them. You're just frustrated because they're, they're mingled and they're, they're clashing. That's how we live our life sometimes. And trying to connect with and, and be in the presence of God. We're not really enjoying living for God because we've got one foot in this area of being entertained and delving into the things that the world promotes. And we're not really enjoying these things because we know enough about living for God that we know that they're wrong and we know they're dragging us in the wrong direction. And it's like two stations. I come to church and I hear a few words about God. And then I go home and I pop in some entertainment or I turn on the radio or I call up a friend and I hear some words about the world. And there's all this static going on. He said it shouldn't be that way. There shouldn't be both both blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. Should not be so. Negative internet content. And I'm going to move on quickly because I don't want to spend too much time on the negative. But if I want to hear the voice of God clearly and the, the message of God clearly, I have to disconnect from some negative internet content. For years, apostolic preachers would preach very simply along the lines of media and entertainment and type of things. It was just, listen, you're better off. Don't even have a, a, a TV receiver in your home. Just don't have one. There are some that, that still do. But we are at a place in technology where I as a pastor don't have the technological mind to sit down and write out a list of rules long enough to protect our church from negative media. And if I did, technology changes so fast that by the time I got the list done, there would be a new avenue for the same content to be piped into a person's home. It's nonsense. What we have to have as a people is something inside that says there are certain things, no matter what device is created, that will not be allowed in my home. There are certain things that our family, we're just not going to tune into. Not via video games, not via social media, not via shows or music or you name it. It's not coming into our home. I didn't realize how big of a deal... This is just shows you how little time I spend online. I didn't know YouTube was such a big deal. We're, Tucker, you were there. We're at a youth event just a little while ago, and the preacher started challenging our young people. He said, how many of you would, would give up uh, social media for, was it three months? Three months, and kids everywhere there. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm thinking, man, that's great. They're willing to just, just to step away for a little while. How many of you would... You know, not watch anything uh, outside of a preaching video or something that's positive spiritually. And the kids are like, yeah, I'll do that. How many of you will, will, would fast YouTube for three months? And kids are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> honest. I'm grateful that they're honest, but it, it was a red flag to me. Like, wait a minute. What is so special about YouTube? So I started talking to them and asking questions. It's It's amazing. The amount of time that is spent on YouTube. I got nothing against YouTube. I use YouTube for work. I use YouTube when I'm trying something new out. My question would be, what does your YouTube history broadcast? If you were to just go home when we're done with church today and open up your history in YouTube and and say, okay, does that promote godliness? Does that promote God? Does that promote godliness? What is it broadcasting? 
Because you can use it in a way that is perfectly fine. But you know how YouTube works. You can watch three videos that are perfectly fine, and the next one that's queued up, it's not perfectly fine. But, but it's kind of funny, so you watch it anyways. And then the next one, boy, it's really bad. But you already went this far down the rabbit trail, and it gets you all messed up. Your simple internet browser. What does it broadcast? What, what, what's it saying about my life? What are the things that I am looking up on the World Wide Web speaking into my life? What does my social media connections broadcast? Again, again social media is fine. can be. It can be great. It can be horrible. How are you using it? What are you doing with it? What's it look like? There are some things, if I want to tune in to the, to the voice of God, I have to tune out from. There are other things I have to tune into. This is, this is where we take a turn. If I am going to tune into God's message for me, I have to be tuned into God's commandments. Exodus 15 and 26 And said, if, a lot of times when you're getting ready to read God's promises or, or God's um, thing, just different things that he puts out there, it's usually going to start with if. If you will do this, I will do that. And so God says here, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee he said you've got to give ear to my commandments you've got to tune in when I start speaking and if you'll tune in when I start speaking I'll, I'll protect you from the diseases that you've seen poured out in Egypt Proverbs 28 and 9 this is, we have so many misconceptions about God. People that are lost in our world feel like God is obligated to hear and respond to every prayer they pray. You know, biblically, the only prayer of a, a sinner that God obligates Himself to hear is a prayer of repentance. God, I want you to bless my family. Listen to this, I'll let the scripture talk for itself. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Wow. Abomination literally means something God hates. Something he despises. We went through this a while back and we looked at that word. Something that he wants to just spew out of his mouth. I, I turn my ear away from hearing the law. I'm not willing to listen to the commandments of God. And then all of a sudden I come to God because I want something or I need something or there's a negative situation in my life. The Bible says that the person who's not willing to hear the commandments of God, that their prayers are an abomination to God. Tuning in to the commands of God is vitally important to being able to hear the voice of God. We have to tune in to God's voice and God's minister's voice 
in our life. Consider the calling of Samuel. And, and you could read the entire thing in 1 Samuel 3. But God calls out to Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up, runs down the hallway because he thinks it's Eli. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. I'm sleeping. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. Lays his head down. Just about to nod off. Samuel. Eli. Runs down the hallway again. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. sure you're not talking in your sleep, Eli? I, I, I mean, this is the second time I've heard you call. I didn't call you. Goes back to bed. He lays his head down. He's just about to fall asleep. Samuel. Eli, did you call me? Actually, I think Samuel or uh, Eli gave him the direction on the second time, but you get the picture. And Samuel, number one, had to be at a place where he could hear the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. But even in hearing the voice of God, he was unclear what to do with it. And he didn't run down the street and ask his neighbor, what should I do? I've heard the voice of God. He didn't ask uh, the vacuum salesman. He didn't go to Home Depot and ask the Home Depot associate, excuse me, sir, I've heard the voice of God. What should I do? He went to his spiritual leadership. He said, Eli, Eli, I'm sure you've called me. And Eli recognized and said, listen, you're hearing the voice of God. It's not me calling you. God is speaking to you. Next time you hear the voice of God, this is how I want you to respond And when he acted in obedience to the spiritual authority in his life, he received further instruction through the voice of God. The voice of God and the voice of our spiritual leadership are are not in uh, contest one to another. The voice of spiritual leadership leads us to further hear the voice of God and receive direction from heaven. We have to have our ears open to things that cause us to grow. That sounds really good on the surface, but growth is uncomfortable. Growth brings with it growing pains and change. And we don't like either one of those things. And so, though we would probably say with our mouth we want to grow as people, our actions sometimes don't line up. But Proverbs 23 and 12 says, Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thy ears to words of knowledge. I've got to have my ears open and tuned in to words of knowledge. Proverbs 2 and 2 says, So that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Knowledge is the acquiring of accurate information. If you go out and you acquire or or you put your hands on, you wrap your mind around accurate information concerning a topic, you now have knowledge of that topic. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Because you can know how to live for God all you want to, but if you're not applying it and doing it, it's not producing anything in your life. So knowledge is acquiring accurate information. Wisdom is applying knowledge. And personal growth is the result of wisdom. Along these same lines of having our ears tuned in and open to things that help us grow, we have to have our ears open to discipline. Oh, that makes you smile, doesn't it? I've got to have my ear open to discipline. 
Tyler, tomorrow's Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. You spent time where your ears had to be open to discipline, whether you wanted them to or not. In all seriousness, I do appreciate your service. But Job 36 and 10 says, He openeth also their ear to discipline, and commandeth that their way return from iniquity. Their ears had to be open to discipline. You can receive discipline, and or you can hear discipline and not receive discipline. I'll say it that way. Anytime you're talking to your kids and their eyes glaze over, and they're like, I don't know what it, what that tries to communicate when they look out the top right hand corner of their eyes and tilt their head a little bit, but they all do it. <laughs> they're hearing what you're saying, but they're not receiving what you're saying. I listened to my wife and my daughter in the bathroom today. My wife wanted to comb her hair. My daughter was cleaning up the counter. They're like three feet away from each other. Sheree said, come here, I need to comb your hair. Get, get over here, I need to comb your hair. Hey, come come here right now. And she's like, what? I didn't hear you. Teresa's like, you're three feet away from me. Yes, you did hear me. She said, no, I didn't. And, and this goes on for a minute. And finally, she didn't even understand what she said, but she communicated accurately. She said, well, I wasn't paying that much attention to you. So many times when discipline comes our way, we hear it. But we don't really grow from it unless we're actually paying attention to it. <clears throat> Proverbs 15 and 31. The ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the wise. I read a quote even this morning. It said, if you cannot receive discipline without offense, you will fail to grow. If the only thing discipline accomplishes in my life is ticking me off and making me offended, I'm going to fail to grow. So why is it so important to be tuned into the right things? I'm going to read a scripture that we're familiar with. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I have read this scripture. I have taught this scripture. I have preached this scripture. Every single time I have addressed this scripture in, in public dialogue form, it has been from the perspective of the one speaking. Be careful what you say. There's death and there's life in the power of your tongue. You can speak life into things. And I don't retract any of those statements because it's right there in the Bible. But let us for a moment consider this scripture from the vantage point of the one listening. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The things that you're allowing yourself to tune into possess both the power to kill and to birth things in your life. When I consider it this way, even the rest of the Scripture seems to speak to those that are listening. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Every word, everything that you allow to, to sprout up in your life and produce influence and exert influence on you 
It's there to produce either life or death. And we are picking fruit from trees and consuming these things. And so the question that I'm asking in the context of everything that I've taught to this point is what effects are the words that I am consuming like fruit from a tree having in my spiritual walk with God? Are they producing life in my spiritual walk? As I reach up and I grab a handful of that fruit from my social media or YouTube or entertainment, the time that I spend in God's Word, this is, this is either death or life. But we don't think about it like that. We think about it as just, it's just a way to check out for a half an hour. It's just a way to relax. But, but there's something that's being accomplished during that time. Either something is dying or something is being born. Either my desire for the things of God is being encouraged or being discouraged. Either the way I feel about sin is being encouraged or discouraged. It's either being brought to life or put to death. The things that you are tuned into bring about spiritual life or death. I'm preaching today. What are you tuned into? I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God too because it produces life. It brings about vitality and strength. When I, when I make sure that my spiritual appetite and my spiritual diet are healthy, I'm consuming things that, that bring life into my soul. When you're tuned into the things of God, your ears will guide you through wilderness seasons of life. Vision is an incredible thing in open, well-lit spaces. You can see for a long way as long as there's nothing in the way. I mean, you, I don't know how far the human eye can see. A long way. However, hearing is vital in the cluttered and dark spaces. You rely heavily on your hearing. I sat in a tree stand yesterday morning and could not see. I could see one other hunter. It was my father-in-law. I knew where I dropped him off at his stand on my way to mine. And I could look back and see his blaze orange moving through the trees. That's the only other hunter I could see. Yet by 8 o'clock in the morning, I heard 50 gunshots. Some of those probably came from the same gun. But I knew by 8 o'clock in the morning that there were many, 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 many other hunters within fairly close proximity to me. Some of them, when the gun went off, I texted my father-in-law, who I could see, and said, was that you? Because they were so close. But I could not see them because there was so much clutter and so low light in that situation. And it was my ears that guided me through this dark and cluttered environment. Oftentimes we go through seasons in life that seem dark and cluttered. It's in these seasons of life that we must be tuned in to the kingdom. We have to be tuned in. I'll give you some examples from scriptures. All the prophet could see was a small cloud. 
The Scripture says it was the size of a man's hand. All his eyes would allow him to see in this moment after such a long drought and after a time of intense prayer was a a little bitty cloud. And yet he spoke not based upon what he seen, but upon what he heard. And he declared, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Well, you're a crazy old preacher, man. There's one little cloud up there. He said, no, I, I hear something. I hear something that you, you probably don't hear because you're not tuned in, but I've spent some time in prayer. And though there's just a little cloud in the sky, I'm telling you, there's an abundance of rain headed our way. Jarius could see with his own eyes that his daughter had died, but he heard Jesus say, she's just sleeping. See, my eyes are telling me that she's dead, Jesus. Matter of fact, there's a multitude of voices in this room and they all seen the same thing I did. But Jerry has had to cling not to what he's seen, but to what he heard. The disciples just couldn't see how Gentiles could receive salvation. It was foreign. It was odd. It wasn't really the way it had happened in the past. But the Bible says they, they recognized it for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. What I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I didn't think this was possible, but, but I heard it. And what they were tuned into audibly brought about revelation and opened the door for salvation in your life and mine. Times that you look around and survey the circumstances of your life and you just can't see how the promises that God has given to you are ever going to come to pass. But you can still hear the Scripture declaring that the promises of God are yea and amen. No, no, no. Everything's falling apart. Every, everywhere I look, I am just not on the path to the fulfillment of what God's spoken in my life. But I can still hear the Word of God saying, let, let God be true and every man a liar. He that has begun a good work in me will see it through to completion. I can, I can hear some things that I just don't see. The doctor says the sickness is progressing, but you hear the Word of God reminding you that He's a healer. There are times that we go through in life that we feel like God is far away. Thank God I don't have to trust my feelings, but I can reach back into the recesses of my mind and my spirit, and I can hear that He'll never leave me or forsake me. Though I feel like He's far away, the Scripture says He's never any farther than the mention of His name. I don't see it and I don't feel it, but I can still hear it. It doesn't look like God's going to come through, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. I just don't see myself making that decision of faith, but I can hear the Spirit calling me to something deeper. I, I don't know what it really looks like, but I, I, I'm tuned into something that, that's calling me to go a little further in my relationship with God. I look around society and it appears that everyone is taking part and this thing has just become acceptable and it, it must be right, but there's something that I can hear in my heart saying that that's not right. There's this thing called discernment that's speaking in my soul and I just can't go along with what the world says is okay. The world around me doesn't hear it. The world around you doesn't hear it, but that's because they're tuned to a different frequency. The question today is, what are you tuned to? What is it that you're hearing when you open your Bible? 
What is it that you're hearing when the Word of God goes forth in a church service? What is it that you're hearing when you kneel down in prayer? Can you hear God? Seems like all of humanity has lost our connection. We've drifted far enough away that the static has taken over and we no longer hear God's voice. But tuning in requires intentional effort. Intentional effort. We're going to have a time of prayer here in, in a moment. And I want you to focus on two things. Really, it's, it's the boiled down essence of everything I've preached. God, are there any things in my life that need to be eliminated so that I can better hear your voice? What is it? If, if there's any voices, Lord, that I'm allowing to speak into my life that aren't right, God, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. And Lord, what can I do? What things can I commit to to ensure that I'm hearing Your voice? And I know it's elementary, but really living for God's not all that complicated. Prayer and consistent time in the Bible, consistent attendance in the house of God, these are some basic things you can do. But God, what, what can I do to position myself? Really, You are the dial. Talked about the dial with that radio. You're you're the dial. God, where where do I need to be? Where do I need to line up so that I can get in just the just the right spot where all of a sudden I can hear clearly? Not because of what somebody else said, not because of, of the influence that's been exerted on me by others, but God, I want to get to a place where I can hear from you and I can know that I know that I know that I know. That you've spoken to me. God responds to that kind of prayer. When His people, people that are doing their best to live for Him, begin to, to reach out and say, God, I want to hear from you. I'm willing to let go of anything I gotta let go of, and I'm willing to commit to anything I gotta commit to to hear your voice. God responds to that kind of prayer. Now's the time just to talk to the Lord. I believe you can have clarity before you leave here today. There's something you've been seeking God about. You can find that answer today. Not just another Sunday, but God could speak in this altar. listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.